Father, it is the truth. It's the truth about you. It's the truth about your Son. It's the truth about the Holy Spirit. You love us. You just plain love us. And the Bible tells us so, so we believe it. We know it. But what does that mean? How then shall we live? Take these few moments left. In the Word, speak to us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So the question is, is God melancholy? If he took the four temperaments test, was it choleric, sanguine, phlegmatic, and melancholy? Would he score high in melancholy? I'm just kind of thinking, you know, he loves music and he cries a lot. <laughs> That's got to be melancholy, right? Come on. If you, if you love music a lot and you cry a lot, you're melancholy. You're also a good musician, I'm sure. So is God melancholy? There's a picture of God that I want you to take a careful look at right now. You're going to look at his heart. Check it out. See what you think. Open your Bible with me. In this, as we put our wrap to it, put it on the screen. This is the last teaching. Teach your heart to sing again. And I just need to say to our worship team and the musicians on the platform, this, this was just, this was a high day for us. Yeah, every Sabbath is. But we, today, and we ought to be doing that for Debbie as she leaves us, but it's a high day. Thank you. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4. Go to Ephesians chapter 4. Take a good look at this. Ephesians chapter 4, drop down to verse 30. I'm in the New International Version. You got your uh, device with you. You can look it up there. Don't have anything. Grab the Pew Bible in front of you. It's page 788. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. That is some awesome and rather dramatic word. Wouldn't you say the word grieve? I mean, please. Paul is scribbling this down in an ancient language, and the word that he's using, that he chose to use, it can be, it can be translated to be sad, to be sorrowful, to weep, to cry. In fact, it's the word that the gospel writers grabbed, the same Greek word, when they wanted to describe that moment, dark, shadowy, mysterious Jesus stepping in to the moon-bathed, night-moist patch of the Garden of Gethsemane. He goes down on his face, and the word they choose is the same word right here to describe his grieving. And in fact, in the English, describing the Garden of Gethsemane moment in the English, one translation will call it Jesus is now grieving. Another one says he's full of sorrow. Another one says he's feeling sadness. Another one suggests he is filled with anguish. In fact, you need to see how the writer of Hebrews captures the profound emotions of Jesus. I'll put it on the screen for you. This is a familiar line. Perhaps to you, Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7, during the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears. What's up? Who's he talking to? To the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. Loud, fervent cries and tears. I'm telling you, melancholy. That's what he is. You have the Holy Spirit of God. You have the, the eternal Son of God. They both demonstrate this same pretty obvious melancholy. Apparently, look, look at it. Apparently, it's not hard for us to make God cry. Apparently. 
I mean, look at him crying right after, right after he creates this beautiful planet. Go back to the book of beginnings. Go to Genesis chapter 6, uh, yeah, chapter 6 for a moment. Genesis 6. Look at this. You want to talk about heartache? We'll start with uh, verse 5, Genesis 6, verse 5. And the Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. You know, when we went past that tragedy a few weeks ago, I decided to say nothing about it. You know why? You say, Dwight, what tragedy are you talking about? I'm talking about the Marjorie Douglas High School in Parkland, Florida, the wanton killing of 17 on that campus. I decided let's not say anything because they're warning us, people who know, that there's a danger we can suffer from what they're calling frozen emotions. You can get this stuff so like a fire hose, so full in your face that eventually the ability to experience empathy is just frozen. But if you watch the news, I'm sure you did, and you saw those parents the grief on those parents' faces and the friends and the classmates. And, and did you see little uh, Emma Gonzalez? Did you see that moment? Standing in front of the cameras of the world, this little clip goes viral. Senior, she is sobbing in rage over that slaughter of innocent lives. How could your heart, when somebody cries and you see them cry, it, it just cuts you to the core. The God of the broken heart. Well, is he broke, heartbroken here? Yeah. Let's read the next line. Verse 5 again. And the Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. And the Lord regretted that he had made human beings on the earth and his heart was deeply moved. I want you to see this in the New Revised Standard Version. We'll put it on the screen for you. Look at that. The Lord was sorry that he had made humankind on the earth, and it grieved him to his heart. Look at the New Living Translation, also on the screen. But, so the Lord was sorry he had ever made them. It broke his heart. Grieved to the heart. Broke his heart. However you choose to craft the words, ladies and gentlemen, the truth is there probably is no word in the human language that can plumb the depths of God's own emotions. Some people respond, well, do I have Think, boy. Of course, of course, they're going to put this in anthropomorphic terms. That means they're going to describe him as a human. I mean, what do you expect? That's just a human attribution to him. He's not like that. <laughs> to which my friend John Peckham, wish he were here. I'd get him up here to say it. John Peckham, who wrote the book, by the way, The Love of God, a Canonical Model, this is how he'd respond. Of course, it's in the human language. Did you have another language you prefer? Peckham goes on to describe the emotions, the raw emotions of God right here. And he, 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 he uh, uses these adjectives, profound, and I'm quoting him, profound, visceral, divine emotions. And he goes on to write on the screen for you, all language to which any interpreter is privy is human language and therefore accommodative. That means it, it, it accommodates, of course. Indeed, as G.B. Caird states, we have no other language besides metaphor with which to speak about God. Of course our language is human, and so are our emotions. But where do you think we got our language and emotions from? 
Who gave them to us? Oh, yes, there was a time, true, true. These wise old theologians of the Middle Ages, and there's still some hanging around that try to advocate the impassibility of God. Now, that's impossibility. Take the O out and put an A in. Impassibility. What is that? That's an ancient uh, Greek philosophy that suggests that God is so far removed from human beings, any beings, that however they react, he does, he, they cannot cause response in him. He's above. It's, this is not dignified for deity. I don't feel that like you. Wrong. Elie Wiesel, the well-known Jewish writer, Nobel laureate. Have you ever read his book, Night? Have they assigned Night to you yet? You've got to read Night. Elie Wiesel, survivor of the Holocaust. In the book he tells, and you might remember this, he tells the story of that execution in the concentration camp, Buna. I'll read this to you. If you've heard the story before, listen again. Elie Wiesel. One day when we came back from work, we saw three gallows rearing up in the assembly place, three black crows. Roll call, SS all around us, machine guns trained, the traditional ceremony, three victims in chains. And one of them, the little servant, a sad-eyed angel, a child, is going to be hanged. The SS seemed more preoccupied, more disturbed than usual. To hang a young boy in front of thousands of spectators was no light matter. The head of the camp read the verdict. All eyes are on the child. He was lividly pale, almost calm, biting his lip. The gallows threw its shadow over him. The three victims mounted together onto the chairs. The three necks were placed at the same moment within the nooses. Long live liberty, cried the two adults. But the child was silent. Where is God? Where is he? Someone behind me asked. At the sign from the head of the camp, the three chairs tipped over. Total silence throughout the camp on the horizon. The sun was setting. Bear your heads, yelled the head of the camp. His voice was raucous. We were weeping. Now cover your heads. And then the march past began. The two adults were no longer alive. Their tongues hung swollen and blue-tinged. But the third rope was still moving. Being so light, the child was still alive. For more than a half hour, he stayed there, struggling between life and death, dying in slow agony under our eyes. And we had to look him full in the face. He was still alive when I passed in front of him. His tongue was still red. His eyes were not yet glazed. Behind me, I heard the same man asking, where is God now? And I heard a voice within me answer him, where is he? He is here. He is hanging here on this gallows. The God of the broken heart, where would he be but there? The God of the broken heart. Put that line up again, please. So the Lord was sorry that he had ever made them. It broke his heart. Ezel is right. The God of the broken heart, whom we came to know, by the way, is Jesus of Nazareth. Of Jesus, it's written in John 11, verse 35, the shortest verse in all the Bible. How does it read? Jesus wept. There's another line from the Gospel of Luke. I'll put it up there. Luke 19, 41. Same Jesus, as he approached Jerusalem, this would be the triumphal entry, and saw the city, he wept over it. Desire of Ages captures, captures the pathos, the deep emotion of this moment right there. 
but desire ages on the screen for you. His eyes fill with tears, and his body rocks to and fro like a tree before the tempest, while a wail of anguish bursts from his quivering lips as if from the depths of a broken heart. There it is again. Jerusalem had been the child of his care, and as a tender father mourns over a wayward son, so Jesus wept over the the beloved city. How can I give thee up? How can I see thee devoted to to destruction? Christ's great heart of love still pleaded for Jerusalem that it scorned his mercies, despised his warnings, and was about to imbrue her hands in his blood. If Jerusalem would but repent, it was not yet too late. While the last rays of the setting sun were lingering on temple tower and pinnacle, would not some good angel lead her to the Savior's love and avert her doom? The God of the broken heart. So this is the God of whom we speak. What's this line? Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Turns out there's much more to that word grieve than we first thought, isn't there? Hmm. Apparently, you and I really do have the capacity to somehow make God cry. Can you believe that? Make Him cry. Apparently, I, and maybe you too, have grieved all of them. I'm talking about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Break his heart. And just as apparently, and I need to add this little caveat to this theological sidebar that we've just ventured into for this brief moment. Apparently, just as apparently, we can grieve our divine friend away. Why would I, how, 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 how would I ever do such a thing? Very good question. Why would I do such a thing? Apparently, I can do just that. By repeatedly rejecting the Spirit's whispering voice to me. Dwight, I'm talking to you, boy. I'm asking you. Apparently, I can keep saying, no, 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 not now, mañana, we'll get to it someday. Apparently, there comes a moment when the Spirit says, okay, 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 I get it, I get it, I get it. I hear what you're saying to me, Holy Spirit, which part of the no don't you understand, the N or the O? I hear you no. I honor your choice. I wish you'd change your mind. Still no. And he slowly backs up to the door of my mind and my heart. And he reaches behind him and he opens the door. Backing out of my life and walks away. I got it. Your wish is no. I mean, isn't that what happened to Judas? Come on, Judas. We're talking about Judas. Judas who hung around with friend, the friends of Jesus all those years. Judas who, by the way, listen to this, went to church every Sabbath with Jesus. Every Sabbath he's in church. Judas who, who 
hears, who feels, who knows the strong love of God in Christ that is drawing him, that's tugging him, that's pleading to him, that's pleading for him. Judas, who keeps saying no, 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 to the dearest friend, the dearest friend he would ever have until it was too late. And the voice and the knocking came back no more. You're not thinking you're going to do that, are you? I mean, I'm not going to do that, am I? Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Can I hit the pause button right here? Some of you have been saying no to God. I don't know what about. It's not my business. But the moment when I say this, something pops into your mind. And whatever that something is, you know that's what you've been saying no to him about. I'm not going to surrender. <laughs> I'm not giving this to you. No, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do it. I don't have to. I'm the leader here. If you've been saying no to God, seriously, if you have been saying no to God repeatedly, I appeal to you in the name of Jesus Christ, that you not, with cavalier disregard, blow this moment away. If he's talking to you right now, would you listen to that voice? And you don't have to move your lips. You don't have to say a thing to me. But would you listen to that voice and say to him, all right, I got it. You may have it. Is it worth it? <laughs> you know what? Do not grieve. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. You know what I say? I say every morning, let, let's not break his heart. Let's make his day every single day. That's what you do. Make his day. You say, Dwight, how can I make his day? You just keep saying yes to him. Every morning you say, yep, today, I need you today. Come into my life. Bring the love of God with you when you come, please. Live my life today through me. When you do that, you're being baptized by the Holy Spirit every single day. Every single day. That's what this has all been about. You just every day say, I'm not saying no today. I'm saying yes to you. Bienvenido. Come on in. Welcome. Which is precisely what Paul's trying to say right here. But, uh, folks, uh, what's, what's really something is if you put 430 that we've just read with a line... Go back to uh, Ephesians with a line in chapter 5, verses 18 and 19. You put those two lines together. Ooh, my, that's what Paul is saying. You've got to read these together. There's just a few verses in between, and Paul's on a roll now. So let's look at, uh, let's read uh, uh, Ephesians 4.30 again. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Now, we're going to stop it right there. Cut across to chapter 5, verse 18. We've got this on the screen for you. Instead... Paul says, be filled with the Spirit. And by the way, the tense in the Greek is be filled day after day after day. Be filled continually. Keep saying yes every day. Be filled with the Spirit. Speak. Ooh, watch this. Speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Don't you love that? <laughs> That's great. Songs from the Spirit. Now every time I feel the Spirit moving in my heart, I will pray. Now every time I feel the Spirit moving in my heart, I will pray. Upon the mountain, my Lord spoke. Out of His mouth came fire and smoke. 
looked all around me. It looked so fine till I asked my Lord if all was mine. Sing it. Now every time I feel the Spirit moving in my heart, I will pray. Every time I feel the Spirit moving in my heart, I will pray. Oh, I love the way the NIV renders. Very uniquely renders that line. Put it on the screen again, please. Look at how the NIV renders this. Instead of being filled with a... Instead, be filled with the Spirit day by day. Now watch this. Speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs of the Spirit. Your translation might say spiritual songs, but NIV says, no, we know where the songs come from. They come from the, your, your best friend, the Holy Spirit. Let your life be filled. Sing songs of the Spirit to each other. Yeah, I told you. I'm telling you, God is melancholy. He cries a lot. We just noticed that a moment ago. And now we find out he sings a lot. Melancholy. Put these two lines together, though. It's really more beautiful than that. Put the line on the screen, please. Put these two lines together, and here's what you got. Don't make the Spirit cry for you by saying no to him. Don't make the Spirit cry for you by saying, not today, mañana, por favor. Don't make the Spirit cry for you. Let the Spirit sing through you. That's what he wants. Let me sing through you. I have songs. I'll give you songs. Mm. Because that's the way of love. Have you noticed love is always singing? You don't have to care. You, you, if you can't carry a tune in a bucket, you still love music. Have you noticed that? It's just in us. We must have gotten this from somebody. Do you know that God, when he looks at you and he loves you, he sings over you like your mother used to sing over you? But God sings over you in your adulthood right now. Look, at Zephaniah 3.17. Isn't this a beautiful line? The Lord your God is with you. He will take great delight in you and will rejoice over you with what? What's the word, folks? With singing. God sings. I'm telling you. Melancholy. Singing. Wow. Hallelujah. Yeah. Love is a song. You're such a dear friend of his that every morning when you wake up and you say, oh, by the way, the answer today is yes. You were wondering, was it yes today? It's still yes. The moment you say yes, songs of the Spirit, he starts singing. He sings over you. But that, that's what love does. Have you noticed that? Hey, have you noticed that some people, come on, have you noticed that the people who are asking daily for the baptism of the Holy Spirit are really wonderful to be around? I mean, have you noticed that? I'm being serious. There's a difference. The people who are filled with the Holy Spirit, you know, why that, you know why there's a difference? Because when you invite the Holy Spirit into your life every day, he always brings a big gift called the love of God. He just pours that into you, and then you move out, and that's just splashing all over everybody. And that's why when you're around people who've been baptized by the Holy Spirit, it's, it's kind of a fun day. I mean, life can be tough. You can be going through some real heartache, but these people just have a way of just lifting your spirit. And by the way, can you, have you noticed this? You can always tell the people that are not baptized by the Spirit. You know of what I speak. But the people who've been baptized by the Spirit, I mean, you get to go to school with them. You get to share the same sink in the dorm room with them. What a, what a joy. People that are baptized by the Holy Spirit, you know what you get to do? You get to be married to them. You get to sit across the kitchen table from them in the morning no matter how they look. You just love them because they've been baptized by the Holy Spirit that day. I mean, to share the same workroom, the same drinking fountain with people who've been baptized by the Spirit, it just doesn't get any better than that. You don't even have to know their names to listen to the song. You hear the song and you don't even know the guy's name. But man, I can tell he's got something pretty special because every time I feel the Spirit, 
the song, as that old spiritual sings. The love of God just flows out of you. They're a delight to be around these kind of people. Wow. So what do we do? Listen, listen. What do we do when we fail to love? When, when the song dies in us and we, we, we can't seem to have the, that divine gift when we need it. You ever had those times? When I get home and I'm, or when I get alone and I say, what was I thinking when I said that? Why did I say that? What was I thinking when I did that? To him, to her. The times when the song gets choked in our throat before it even gets out. I want to close with a story that perhaps has the answer embedded in it. See what you think. It's a story from the great South African writer, Lawrence Vanderpost. I'm going to read it to you. Got it right here. Just a short story. But listen, it's a story of two brothers. The elder brother was strong and tall, intelligent, and excellent athlete. Got the picture. Sent away to a private school in South Africa where the, where, where the family lived. He became an admired leader of the student body. His, his brother was six years younger. Neither good-looking nor capable, he was also a hunchback. But he had one great gift. He had a magnificent singing voice. <laughs> Eventually, the younger brother joined the older at the same boarding school. One day, in a cruel outbreak of mob psychology, a group of students ganged up on the younger brother, jeered at him, tore off his shirt to reveal his humpback. The older brother was aware of what was going on. He could have gone out. He could have faced the crowd of sadistic students. He could have acknowledged the strange humpback as his brother, put a stop to this whole sorry mess. Instead, he remained in the chemistry lab completing an assignment. He betrayed his brother by what he failed to do. The younger brother was never the same again. He returned home to his parents' farm where he kept to himself and sang no more. Meanwhile, the older brother had become a soldier in World War II, stationed in Palestine. One night, lying outdoors and gazing into the starlit sky, he realized what he had done to his younger brother in their school days. His heart told him that he would never have peace until he went home and asked his brother for forgiveness. And so he made the incredibly difficult wartime journey from Palestine to South Africa. The brothers talked long into the night. The elder one, confessing his guilt and remorse, they cried together, embraced, and the breach between them was healed. Something else happened that night. The older brother had fallen asleep when he, he was startled awake by the sound of a full, rich, mellifluous voice soaring into the night. It was the beautiful voice of his younger brother who was singing once again. My. Somebody in your life whose song you needlessly crushed? Somebody in your circle whose music was throttled because of what you did, because of what you said? Somebody needs 
the song to be released again? Brenda Manning, who tells this story, then comments on the screen, please. By one costly concrete act of compassionate caring, the older brother brought healing and wholeness to his brother, to himself, and to the relationship. Perhaps the ultimate betrayal of the relentless love of Jesus is the failure to love when we have the opportunity to do so. Wow. Makes you wonder. Is the song of the Spirit, is the song of the Spirit and the love of God getting through me to all the people God is desperate to love right now. Hmm. Take out your connect card, please. And let's pause for a moment and think, okay, next step, God, next step. Where should we go? Delighted for the guests who are here. Glad to have you. Fill the front of the card with as much information as you would like. Put your email address. I'm going to make a little offer here, so put your email address there. That's the only way we'll be able to get the offer to you. Turn the card over. It says, my next step today is, my next step today, there it is. I agree. Don't make the Spirit cry for you. Let the Spirit sing through you. Hey, Dwight, I agree with that. I agree with it. And I need to say again, if there's something in your life to which you're saying no to the Spirit, nope, come again another time, nope, not, I'm not going to do it, nope. If there's something in your life, hey, come on, say yes, and see how the song will be birthed in you as well. Okay, I agree, Dwight. I agree. So I will join you, Dwight. Yes, I will join you in daily seeking a deepening relationship with him. Yep. Yes, and by God's grace, I want to so love others that the song is set free in their hearts too. And one more box. And I would like to talk with a pastor about being baptized. If you, if you haven't been baptized yet, you're sitting on the platform here, you're sitting in the uh, congregation here, if you haven't been baptized yet, I want to make an invitation to you right now. Just put a check mark there. You're not going to get baptized immediately. We'll work on whatever time schedule you wish, but make the decision now. Because if the voice is saying, I need a yes from you here, and you've been saying no, 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 that's, you'll break his heart. And he'll leave. Say yes. If you haven't been baptized yet, you're watching on live streaming right now. We're so glad to have you. You can go. This card's right there on uh, the website where you are right now. You put a check mark on it. You send it to us. We'll make sure that somebody knows about it. Just say yes. I want to be baptized and follow Jesus, my Lord. Oh, and oh by the way, would you put, if you, in, over here in the prayer requests and comments, put two words, free book. If you write the two words, free book, I'll make sure that you get a free book on the Holy Spirit. Free book. I'm saying yes to him every day. We'll send it to you. Nobody's going to knock on your door. Just put an email address. We'll send the book to you. All right? So just the two words, free book, and we'll do that.